This morning, I'd like for us to look at a familiar parable that's found in Matthew chapter 13. Beginning in the third verse, Jesus says, well, the scripture says, then he told them many things in parables, saying, a, father went out, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. A familiar parable. Anybody never heard that parable before? No. I was afraid of that. <laughs> I don't know who come up with the... Uh, titles for these parables but the parable of the, of the sower just doesn't cut it it's not about the sower is it is it about the seed no it's about the soil what kind of soil so everyone who is here this morning in fact, everyone in the whole world is represented in this parable. We could say the hard-hearted, the shallow-hearted, the half-hearted, the whole-hearted. Or we could say that there was uh, no response. There was a short-lived response. There was a response that didn't produce any fruit. And there was a fruitful harvest. Those are all represented there. It's interesting that the parable of the sower or the, or the soils is one of the few where Jesus actually tells us what it means. And so that's found in verses 19 through 23. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown on the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorn refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on Good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces the crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. There are three problems that are in this parable. There's a problem of the lack of understanding the word or the lack of depth or the lack of room for the seed to grow. And it's interesting, at least I thought it was, that when Jesus says the seed that was sown on the path, the birds come and ate it, but Jesus says that's Satan snatching the word from us. He has access to our minds. 
He can plant thoughts. He can take away thoughts. Amen. He is, well, you filled it in. <laughs> Following the parable of the soils, Jesus says in another parable that Satan sows weeds among the seed of the word of God. And so it's important to see that Satan can do that as well. And we'll see that in just a moment or two. So Jesus clearly explains the meaning of the parable. So why would I choose this as a basis for a message since you already understand all it means? Well, well specifically it states that there, there are responses like he outlines and that those are people who re respond to the word of God. I also believe that we find here four principles of response. Four principles of response. And they apply to you and to me as well. Uh, if, you, if you would look at your life or your heart, as, as the scripture talks about our hearts, uh, we have a garden, if you would. And I have paths in my garden that run through the garden of my life. Yeah, don't look at me like that. You do too. I have shallow soil. Hmm. I have thorny patches, weeds, and I have soil that produces a harvest. We all do. So what, what does that mean to us? Well, I'd like for us to look at this parable from that perspective and look at the soils of our hearts and what's involved in those kinds of soils. The first that Jesus talks about is the paths, the hard, the unresponsive soil. In Jesus' day, fields were marked out into sections and they were tended by individuals. It's like a family garden kind of thing. And so throughout this whole field, there are plots of ground that are tended by individuals. But to get to them, there have to be paths. And that's, that's the idea that they would have had in their mind when he talked about the paths uh, and if the, if the plot was very big, there would be paths that would crisscross criss the plot. What causes paths? Anybody have any idea why paths form? Regular travel. Repeated walking on them. That, that creates a path. And I would submit to you this morning that our daily routines, the things that we do over and over create the paths in our hearts. Areas in our lives where the word of God really doesn't get much response. We don't see, we don't understand how it relates to us. And so Satan comes and snatches it away. The routines of our lives. And I ask myself, 
When was the last time a truth from God's word really changed in my routines? Now, don't get me wrong. I like routines. I have routines that I do every day. Of course, that's what makes them routine. <laughs> but if something interferes with those routines, I can be late for work. I mean, you know, I just... But they can be a problem because they aren't producing any fruit. I want my life to be productive fruitfully. Don't you? Nobody? No, maybe that's the problem. I mean, maybe just let me change the message now. <laughs> we live by routines. We have a daily routine. We have a Sunday routine. We have, we have all kinds of routines. And there's nothing wrong with the routine unless it has become so set in our ways, that's what routines do, that we can't respond to the Word of God when we receive it. And Satan will snatch it away. Even, even something like the routine of our daily devotions can become so routine and so measured by how much time we have that it doesn't produce anything. Can I even say, as prayer pastor, sometimes even our praying? I mean, how different was my prayer this morning than it was yesterday or the day before? Lord, thank you for, Lord bless, and remember this one, and thank you for all this you do, amen. Kind of a pattern, but it's the same. When has your prayer ever been revolutionized in the way you talked to the Lord because the word of God spoke to you? Amen. Jeremiah 4, 3 and Hosea 12, or 10, 12, the Lord tells Israel to break up your fallow ground. And fallow ground is ground that's just been not, not been used, so it's non-productive. And he says it needs to be stirred up. It needs to be cultivated so that it can be planted. We need to have our routines, the paths that have become hardened, stirred up. We maybe need to ask God to fire up the rototiller and attack our paths so that something from his word can take hold and produce values that will make a difference in eternity. Amen. Then we look at the rocky soil, and it's called shallow or, non or no lasting response. I don't know what kind of picture comes to your mind when it talks about rocky soil or stony soil. And some even have it as almost like gravel. But when I was researching what that meant as Jesus would have meant it and they would have understood, is that in that area of the world there are a lot of flat, thin, flat stones that can vary in size, and then they have maybe an inch of soil on top of them. 
And then you can see how in, in understanding when he says they, the seed's planted and it takes root and springs up, but it doesn't have any depth. The, the roots can't get enough moisture because it dries out so quickly. And then when the whole thing about life and living, it just dries up. It was joyfully received, Jesus said. But when it came time for it to actually do something in our lives, the Word of God, we, we read it and, oh, yeah, I like that, I like that. But there's those stones underneath. And what, I, what I'm calling those stones are issues. Do any of you have issues? I have issues. I, I, I've been told I have issues. <laughs> Mark and Laura and the girls were visiting when my wife and I lived down in Baltimore. They were at the dining room table. And I don't know why. It, it, it's just who I am. I do, I do, do things that you can't. Why did they do that? I don't know. <laughs> but I, I, I came up behind them and I pulled all my hair up into a spike. I had more hair then. <laughs> and so I walked up to him and said, well, what do you think, girls? And Josie looked up at me and says, Papa, you got issues. <laughs> so I know I have issues. What kind of issues? Do you know that being anxious is an issue? Doubts, fears, worries, and you're all going to take a deep breath when I say this one, prejudices. Oh, I don't have any. Yes, you do. I'm not talking about racial prejudice. Do you know what the word prejudice means? Prejudging. It's reaching a conclusion before you know all the facts. Do you have prejudices? Go like this. There we go. What, what do I mean? They are things that we have assumed that, that keep us from treating others the way God would want us to treat them. I remember being told when I was young, be careful of redheads, they have a temper. And so now every time I see a redhead, right over here, somewhere there's a redhead. He told me to mention him, so he didn't know it was going to be. <laughs> They're hot-tempered. So if every time I see a redhead, I think, oh, there's somebody with a temper. And then the Lord prompts me to share the word. Oh, no, I don't want them to lose their temper on me. So you see, because I preformed an idea about someone that I don't really know all the circumstances about, it has hindered me from sharing the word of God. That's not good. What kind of prejudices... Do you have what 
Are there people? Are there things? Are there circumstances that you respond to without really knowing any more than just what you know on the surface? We gladly respond to the word, but our issues keep it from really taking root and from producing a harvest. Most of the time we need God's help to get rid of those issues, but he will. He'll help. The third is the, is the thorny soil, and it's the soil where there's not enough room to grow. It gets crowded out by the worries of the world and the cares of life and, and the deceitfulness of, uh, of riches and uh, We, we don't, any of us think that we're rich, but uh, we, uh, the, the poorest in the United States are rich, more rich than the majority of the world. That's, wow. Two categories that Jesus mentions there. There's the cares of life, everyday living, and the deceitfulness of wealth, and, and I best understand that to be the deceitfulness of the promises that things will make it better. And the more things we have, the better life will be. And so we get all involved in doing these things, just daily living and wanting to get things so that when the word of the Lord is sown in that area of our life, it takes root. It produces a plant, but it never comes to harvest stage. It never produces fruit. There's no result, just leaves. And why? Because we don't have the time. We don't have the energy. We don't have the resources, and we don't have all those things because of all the weeds that we have, things that are growing but not producing anything of eternal value. These are the things that Satan sows into our lives and gets us involved in, in things that are not necessarily bad in and of themselves, but they, they get such a hold in us that we don't have time for God's work. We don't have time for the kingdom. How much time, how much energy, how much of our resources is consumed by just living? Just living. We all have paths. We all have underlying issues. But my searching of my own heart says that the largest portion of ground that has harvest potential but doesn't is overgrown with the dealings of the cares of life and the deception that money can buy the things that will make life better. So what are we going to do about it? 
We need to let the gardener get rid of some of the weeds, huh? How many things are you involved in that are not going to make a dime's worth of difference the moment you enter eternity? But because of them, we don't have time, we don't have the money, we don't have the resources, we don't have the energy to do what is eternally beneficial. And this, this whole message came about because that parable that I was reading struck me that this way, and I've had to make changes in my life. And I'm glad, I'm thankful. Uh, I drive semi, and so I, I, I drive over to Indiana every day. I got a BibleGateway.com app, and I can listen to God's Word while I'm driving. And then to change that up, I, I went through... I went through the four Gospels four times in, in the, the NIV. And then I did, well, I'm, I'm getting another routine. So now I've started listening to it in the message. And it is amazing how much different it sounds and the things that you see and take hold that I didn't see before. Just the way it said made a difference. Another routine, and, and it's, it happens on Sunday morning. I'm getting up a half hour earlier so that I can be here a half hour earlier, and then I just walk through the building and pray that he will be there and minister to everyone who's there. I pray as I come in the driveway that the presence and the power of God will be Manifested to the point where people drive by will sense that there's a difference here. And that's him. Time. It was presented to us last week about coming to worship in the first service and then staying afterwards to be part of the, of the number of people who are needed to, to be taking care of us while we're in here worshiping so we don't need... Have you, have, you, have you thought about that since last Sunday? It, or did that just fall on the path? You see what I'm saying? How much of what we've heard from Pastor Paul in the past three weeks, four weeks, do you even remember? Do I remember? How much of it is making a difference in the way I lived? Because it was sown and it was taken root in the good soil. I understand that there's no running in the aisles and shouting and praising the Lord because I'm digging around where we live, where I live. It was an eye-opener for me when I was going through this and thinking about the soils to realize that only three of the four, three of the four do not produce any results. That, isn't that amazing? 
three-fourths don't produce anything. I don't like that. I don't want my life to be wasted and only have one-fourth of my life count or produce anything. So how much of my life is producing a, a harvest? How much have I done by faith? You know, we, we talk about living by faith. When was the last time you did something just because God's word said it? Most of the time, we have to see what the bottom line is and we have to see what steps are taken and, and instead of just saying yes Lord I'll do it the good soil where are the seeds of God's word landing in the garden of my life how much gets snatched away because it lands in the areas that are affected by my routines how much do I respond to gladly? Yeah, that's a great idea. That's a great truth. That's wonderful. But it soon withers because it goes down and hits an issue that I have. So it doesn't produce. How much is crowded out because I don't have the time? I don't have the energy. I don't have the resources, the weeds. Now, I'm not a gardener. My wife Pam was. But I do know that after reaping the harvest, the ground had to be tilled again and seed had to be planted again year after year after year. And the gardens of our hearts are not seasonal. We're, we're to be producing continuously. We need to be tilling up the soil and planting the word of God. The, the seed that was sown and you became a believer has produced its crop. Now what else is it producing? See, that's, those are the things that I ask myself. There are some here who represent the path. You've sat under message after message after message, months and years, and nothing, it just, to change idioms, it like water off a duck's back, in one ear and out the other's another one. There are some here who have, are, are represented by the rocky soil. That, you respond, but doesn't last. The thorny soil takes root, grows, but never produces. There's the good soil, too. But how much of it's good soil? How much of my life is actually producing the fruit of God's word that then I can 
take that seed when it produces and sow it in the lives of others. One of the goals that Pastor laid out for us is 120 conversions or rededications. Do you realize how many seeds are going to have to be planted to reap 120? It's going to take all of us. That means that there's going to have to be some changes made. But it's because that's what God wants for us. I'm looking forward to the next three years. I think God's going to do some great things. But we're going to have to let the master gardener till up the soil of our hearts. Amen? And he wants to begin today. How much of your life is non-productive because of the routines that there just isn't doesn't take doesn't take root at all? How much is affected by issues? How much is affected by the plants of anxiety and the cares of life and and, and living for things because we think that's going to make it better? So I'm going to close with three questions. Where are the seeds of this message landing? Are you satisfied with what the seed of God's word is being is producing in your life? Is God asking you to change some routine to resolve some issue? to weed out some of life's cares so that we have more room and more fertile soil to produce a harvest to his glory.